Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to episode 95 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. This week, we are joined by a New Hampshire home brewer, Mike, also known as Marshall Mash Brew Lab. Welcome, Mike. Hey, it's nice to join you. Why don't we just get it kicked off with the question we ask a lot of our guests that are on is, how did you get into home brewing? Give us your origin story. Yeah, so I met my wife back in 2011, you know, prior to meeting her, you know, I just, you know, I was always out doing stuff, you know, playing soccer, going to the gym, doing, just getting out. And I was like, oh, I need a hobby that I can do like at home. And so went into uh, what is now Earth Eagle Brewing, if you've ever been there, in yeah. into their homebrew shop, which then was A&G Homebrew. This is actually before Earth Eagle was even a thing. Picked up a book, started reading that. That was a couple months before Christmas. My girlfriend, but now wife, got me a propane burner and a, one of their kits. Uh, my first beer was a stout that uh, Alex there had designed. That was my first beer, so I decided doing that. So yeah, I was looking for a hobby that I could do at home, and that's how I kind of got into it. Great. Yeah, we have been to Earth Eagle. That was one of... We went to Portsmouth a couple of years ago for James's birthday. We went there and Great Rhythm. We liked both of those. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And and we actually went in that homebrew shop too that you just talked oh, yeah, about we too. Did. <laughs> and I got a couple things from that homebrew shop. And that was before I was really that serious in homebrewing too. I think I was just extract kits at that point. So now you've gotten into it more. And how has your system progressed? What are you operating off of now? Yeah, so kind of my progression in brewing is, so I did probably two, three, maybe four, you know, extra kits, then decided uh, I wanted to kind of go bigger than that. So ended up for a while brewed on a single tier Herm system with all kegels. So I built that, uh, you know, cut all the kegs up, did all that, brewed on that for a while. Then I bought my house a few years ago. Unfortunately, my garage is not connected to my house. So uh-huh. it really kind of stuck in the fact that I couldn't brew it in the winter. It was very difficult. I could have brewed, but cleaning would have been very difficult. I like haul everything back inside. So three years ago, just before COVID, I ended up uh, moving everything inside. I have now I've still have a single tail harm system, but it's all electric. I have a uh, the electric brewery uh, electric panel, so I brew on that, uh, which is great. Now I can brew on a Tuesday night when I'm done work. I don't have to waste a, a weekend to brew, which is nice. So yeah, now it's all in my house, so it's it's much easier. Yeah, that definitely has made our brewing lives easier going to that electric system. Although James keeps saying he's going to brew after work to save time on the weekends and it never ends up happening. So maybe you'll inspire him to do that. I think it's great. I just fill up my hot liquor tank at like four o'clock, set the temperature, whatever my, you know, I, you know. Yeah, and just have it sit there, right? Yeah, and just have it sit there. And then whenever I'm done work, usually hopefully around 5, maybe 5.30, I just walk downstairs. I usually mail my grains the night before, and I just mash in and ready to go. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, I think the closest I've come is I've had the system all reconnected because I've been breaking down everything and putting it back up uh, to make sure it's nice and clean after an incident that I was lazy and thought I had cleaned well, CIP'd, and went to start my brew day. And I was like, wow, that water should not smell like that as it's coming out of the hot liquor tank through my system. Hmm. Like there was still some moisture somewhere that crapped from the last one. So I've just break broken it down every brew day since then, but it was the same type thing. I had it all set up. I had the mash water in there ready to go in the hot liquor tank and already 
crushed the grains, weighed out everything for the brew day. And it really did make that next day's brew day so much faster and more enjoyable, I would say, especially having fermenters that were clean. So that's key for me is making sure the fermenters are clean before the brew day. Yeah. So that's the nice thing for me now is with it all being in my house, like I clean my fermenters afterward, cover them. So they're pretty much ready to go when I, when I need to brew, just maybe rinse them out, sanitize them, put, you know, put all everything where it needs to be. And then pretty much done, you know, do some sanitizing of my like uh, counter flow. And then really that's it. And it's kind of just cleaning throughout the, so yeah, it makes it nice just being able to go when you're ready to brew, not having to set up then brew. And that makes for a much longer day. And like many hobbies, when you have a family and you have a significant other or a spouse, it really does involve them as well because it's very time-consuming of a hobby. So what does your wife think of your home brewing? (laughs) What's her favorite? Does she have a favorite beer that you've brewed to date, or do you share one together? Does she drink beer is my question because sometimes homebrewers, significant others, don't even drink beer. Uh, So my wife does not really drink beer. I have tried and tried and, and tried to figure out things. She will definitely try things. They're ones she maybe likes a little bit more, but it's really not her thing. But she is very supportive of me, so that's really all I can ask for. You know, my brewery basically takes up our entire, we live in a split-level house, so my brewery basically takes up the living room in the basement. So you got to appreciate that for what it is. If she doesn't drink everything, that's okay, as long as she's supportive of that. So, Yeah, I mean, if she's letting you take over basically an entire floor, that's a pretty, pretty generous, I'd yeah, say, so- of her. <laughs> yeah. So from what you've brewed... Do you have, and I feel like this is always a, a heated question or a loaded question that we ask people, but do you have a favorite beer that you've brewed to date? So I would say, you know, kind of what I like is sours, saisons, wild beers. So I've kind of started doing, trying to do more of that myself. So probably the beer that I like the most that I have brewed is my, I have a peach brandy barrel, which I basically brewed. A, I started this at the beginning, I actually was looking up right before I got on the call filled it in like July of 2020. Cause I was like, well, I just built my system pre COVID. We're in the middle mm-hmm. of COVID. I'm like, well, I can't brew. And I only, I don't drink a ton just sitting at home. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to bring, just sit around and drink my own beer all the time and, you know, develop a, an issue. While during COVID. <laughs> so uh, I decided to get a barrel and fill that so I could brew a few times and kind of get used to my system. So filled it with uh, fermented Saison, just bell, just a basic Saison with bell, uh, Bell's yeast. Let that sit for about, I think it ended up being almost nine months by the time I pulled it off. Oh, wow. Uh, so then kind of did a couple, then kind of kept backfilling it, did a couple more clean beers, then started pitching bread into it. So it's basically been sitting for three years, about two years probably on bread. So every like six months or so, I pull off five or 10 gallons and then kind of backfill it with fresh wort. So that kind of ferments within the barrel. The reason I do that is it helps eat any of the uh, oxygen that will get into the beer in the barrel so that it doesn't get ox- too oxidized over time, which can happen in a, in a barrel beer. So that's probably my favorite one. I just really like peach beers in general. I'm actually drinking Farm to Face from Allagash, which is one of their peach beers. I got second place. We, Me and uh, a couple of friends from my homebrew club went up to, it's like the Southern Vermont Homebrew Festival. They do one in the fall and then one in the winter. I went to the one in April, which is technically their winter one, but uh, one second place in the pro judge beers for that one. So I was pretty happy about that. So that's really my favorite beer. It's been a long project, so I'm pretty happy that it's turning out the way it is. So I actually just started a another kind of barrel similar 
Um, I just filled it up, I think, like a month ago with a Sotol barrel, which is a um, just it's a type of spirit similar to kind of tequila, but a little different. Mm. All right. That. So we'll see. Uh, I have a, a fermented saison in that now, just kind of aging. So probably give it a few more months, try that, and probably start doing the same thing down the road, doing Brett beers and things like that with it. Yeah, and you brought up a great point, too, that I wouldn't even think of right off the bat of I've started to try and get into the barrel-aged beers. And I, I've done one Imperial Stout on a, in a whiskey barrel using Mandy Neglish's recipe from um, when she won the gold medal a couple years back. And I just wouldn't think to go ahead and do that yeast, like you said, in the barrel to help with that oxygen if you're keeping it for an extended period of time. So that's a great point to make if you're getting into barrel aging and something that's really pretty simple to do, right? It's not overly technical to do that. No, I just, uh, you know, the first time I brewed, I brewed two or three times to fill it. So then I fermented them out. So that was, I had to find space for like six fermenters to sit around. But once that was all done, filled it. And then it's actually easier because I don't even have to, you know, sanitize a fermenter. I just pull, I just pull off, put it into a keg, carve it as I normally would. But then when I'm going to backfill it, I don't have to ferment it in a fermenter. I just, you know, cool it and just add it directly to the barrel. And you, it'll usually just start fermenting with all the yeast and everything. You know, even though it's more dormant, still in the barrel, it'll kind of ferment out. Takes It can go slow because it's mostly brett now, but it'll take, you know, usually three weeks a month to kind of ferment out. But you'll see action for a while. But again, it helps kind of eat away at that, you know, oxygen that you'll get in a barrel, especially with beer that's been sitting around for three years. So. Yeah, that's that's great. And you'd mentioned Allagash. So Allagash immediately, the craft brewery up in Maine, definitely came to my mind first when I was saying, okay, he, he likes wild, he's spontane- he seems like spontaneous beers. And I'm like, Allagash is really the main brewery that I would send somebody that's like, I want spontaneous fermentation. I want to learn about it. I want to have beers that are, use that process. And that kind yeah. of brings about the whole conversation of a cool ship. So kind of, can you talk about how you got involved with trying to build a cool ship, what it is? Yeah, so what a cool ship is, it's an open-top vessel, usually used to cool wort. It was something that was used pre-refrigeration. you know, refrigeration. You know, breweries would put it in this shallow pan almost, like a very large pan, but it would let their beer cool overnight. If you've ever heard of Anchor Steam, their steam beer, that is basically what that is. They would just put it on their, you know, their open-top, you know, cool ships on their roof. And then it, with a the steam would kind of, uh, you, know, you know, when it was cooling, so that's how it got the nickname, steam beer. So also when it comes to wild breweries in the U.S., then Lambic breweries, they use it for kind of two things. One, to cool, but what they do is they try to cool at a certain kind of rate so that over time it will be inoculated by wild yeast and bacteria. A lot of times they can just ferment with those wild yeast and bacteria. They don't actually have to pitch any yeast. So you can get a lot of different characters from those, you know, different, you know, again, yeast and bacteria. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who aren't too familiar with the whole wild fermentation, so many breweries and a lot of people here from craft breweries saying, got to try and avoid, you know, contamination and getting those microflora and all the things that are in the air around the brewery and in the brewery. So you want to have closed fermentation vessels to really prevent those yeast and bacteria from getting into your your wort and your your beer when it ferments but on the flip side there's breweries and there's actually the process as we just talked about with mike 
of where you actually want those microbes to spontaneously create that fermentation in your beer. And as Mike said, it's, you know, cool ship. It's basically a shallow brewing vessel with a broad open top. And it's, again, used for cooling temperature, usually overnight using just the outside air temp. So that's really great way that some breweries are able to take that high surface to mass ratio to help with efficiency for cooling. So it's really a cool process. And again, it's very science oriented and you kind of, it's kind of a roll of the dice of what microbes might be in the air, bacteria, yeast in your area. So I think Allagash is kind of located in a kind of a perfect spot if I was going to try to do it. But if you've ever gone to Allagash and seen those tanks, it's quite an amazing process. And it's just a whole fascinating, I guess, avenue of brewing that I don't think I'll ever get to. But I just definitely appreciate brewers like you, Mike, that are trying to, you know, dabble in it and experiment. So how did you, what were you trying to build a cool ship out of? For those who don't follow you on Instagram. Yeah, so I built it out of a regular Sankey keg, a 15-gallon one. I just flipped it kind of on its side and notched it. So I can fit about 12 gallons of liquid into it, which the last time I did it, it cooled pretty consistent in what I've been told you should get as a cooling rate. I've listened to a couple of podcasts actually with the brewers of Allagash to kind of get an idea of how they do it. Well, they want to get down to 65 degrees. They don't want it to take any longer than 18 hours. If you don't hit 65 within those 18 hours, pull it out. And then you usually want an air temp of around 25 to 40 degrees so that it cools at the right rate. So that's kind of what they do to kind of cool theirs at the correct rate. If you're someone who wants to try it, you don't necessarily have to build a cool ship. You could either use... Um, a big one I've seen, and they're not super expensive, but on eBay, you can look for pans used for making maple syrup. They tend to be a little wider and shallower, and they make them in all different sizes. They're stainless steel, and they usually have a port so you can pour it off. And then as well, you could always, if you have, let's say you, you want to do like a five-gallon batch and you have like a 20-gallon barrel, you know, maybe a pot or something, or even if you have just a regular old pot, just throw it in that and stick it outside. And you can always do that as well. Yeah, that's a great suggestion too. And it's not overly expensive too, as you might think. And again, you do save the cost in yeast. But again, it may take, it may not take. You you don't know what you're going to get kind of a beer with your first go. It could work out really well. The first one I did, uh, and I got to do it again here this fall once it starts cooling down again. But I've had one where one went moldy and didn't even get inoculated. And I don't even think it inoculated at all. So last year I actually built a, looks like a doghouse actually, but it's like a little room. If you've ever been to a brewery that has a cool ship, they usually have a room with wood that's wood lined. The wood kind of captures, of course, the moisture, but also the different bacteria and yeast and things like that. So it also, if you have that kind of room that, that kind of helps hold that bacteria and yeast, it helps kind of inoculate the thing. So that's why I kind of built that. So I'm going to, I actually have uh, a flask full of a bunch of drinks from Cantillon, Allagash. So I'll probably end up spraying that on before I brew that way mm-hmm. that kind of pick up the different, you know, again, yeast and bacteria out of those beers that I kind of dumped in there. So, so that's why I built the room. So it helps kind of inoculate the, uh, the cool shit beer. Yeah. When James brought this up to me, it was kind of the first time I'd really heard of this technique. And I was like, what is cool ship? So then obviously I had to go Google and look into it. So you mentioning the wood kind of brings up a a fun theory, I guess, or rumor that I ran across that the reason they call it ship is because in the medieval times, they would hollow out 
tree trunks and use that wood to help cool the mash down, which was similar to how they made boats and therefore was technically a ship. So there's a fun fact so it's for a everyone. a very cool <laughs> ship. There you go. Yeah. If you have access to Calagash where you are, they have a cool ship series that is excellent. They have a lot of them that they've, you know, that are straight. They have a different fruit, things like that. So definitely if you go to your local beer store and check them out, they're very interesting and they're very, very complex in terms of kind of flavors, depending. And they're, a lot of them will be very different. Some are more acidic, some aren't. So they're good to try. Yeah, I think it's definitely like you have to be somewhat adventurous to be able to try it. I'll try I, it. I don't think I, I don't think I would be a home brewer that would necessarily try it. I don't know. I oh, just, try the process. Yeah, not try the, the beers. process. <laughs> no, no, I would definitely try the beers for sure. I'll Sign try me the up. beers. Sign me up. But I, yeah. like, I'm just amazed by home brewers out there that are like looking in their parks for like a certain log that they think a certain yeast strain oh, is going to be that, on, yeah. and then inoculate their beer using yeast found on like a log in a park bench or something like that. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot. I know there's other home brewers, of course, that do cool shit beers, but I mean, I haven't seen a ton of them. Sometimes it can be a little bit of a crapshoot. You're not sure exactly what's going to happen. So you know, some people don't like that. But I'm like, you know, it's a little time brain. We'll see what happens and, you know, try to see if we can get something different. Yeah, which is one of the great things about home brewing is you can really experiment. Whereas a craft brewery, are you going to really want to risk everything else by doing that? Probably not unless that was in your plans from the start. But we usually ask home brewers that are on the show, what's the craziest ingredient they've <laughs> brewed with a beer? And that kind of segues a lot of people. I don't think it's a crazy ingredient, but I think a lot of people might. And that is lobster. So you have made a beer using lobster. So why don't you talk about that beer and why you decided to make a beer with lobster? Because it's uh, from New England. Yeah. <laughs> so reason why I did a lobster beer, Oxwell Brewing does a, an excellent Saison called Saison Del Aragosta, which is a Saison brewed with lobsters, which is an excellent beer. I belong to the Seacoast Homebrew Club, so we're, you know, basically based on the Seacoast, so I wanted to do a beer that was inspired by, you know, of course, seafood. So lobster seemed like a great idea, you know, our area is pretty well known for that, even though they're called Maine lobsters, but... You know, they're, we're pretty well known for it in New Hampshire as well. And then I chose to do it a lobster goza because a goza is a, you know, fairly salty, sour type beer. Mm -hmm. So it goes really well with it. So I brewed it a few times. I've, you know, I've had a lot of good feedback. It isn't overly seafood flavored. It's you just kind of get that. You get a little bit of the seafood flavor, but a lot of the salty brininess mm -hmm. that you get lobster. So that's why I kind of did it. It's just something that, you know, seacoast and, you know, ocean kind of inspired. I brought it a few different places. I've, you know, I brought it to NHC twice. I brought it to uh, Pittsburgh last year, brought it to Providence three years ago, four years ago, actually now. So it's, and I've had a lot of good feedback there as well. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you if it was a salty beer, because to me, when I think about lobster and that water that comes out, it's definitely salty. So I think that's a great pairing with a goza to do that. So when you're making the beer, is it similar to like when you just cook a lobster, like boiling the lobster in the pot or how does that work? Basically, yes. Yeah. So I put it into a large muslin bag, put it in the boil for about 10 minutes and then pull it off. And like one question I get every time I talk to somebody about it is, Yes, I do eat the lobsters at the end. Oh, good. Okay. You'd be you don't crazy waste them. not to. <laughs> yeah. Come on. That's like a crime in New England. I've been asked that question uh, hundreds of times probably at this point. I now, just assumed you ate them because I would. <laughs> 
And now you you remove it once the lobster's boiled and you take it out and you don't introduce anything from that lobster back in, right? You're just using it for that quick addition of that kind of seafood saltiness to add to the beer? Yep, basically, yeah, just for that 10 minutes and then I pull it off and then probably about five minutes before the end of the boil just to make sure if anything weird got in there at least killed it off. Yeah, so that's really all I, what I do with the lobster. That's something I would try. Yeah, and I, I think it's a great, great way too of kind of Killing two birds with one stone, you can make a beer, and then you can have some nice, delicious yeah. lobster after. It's like a nice little pairing. Yeah, it's not a bad, bad brew day. I'm actually, <laughs> I've done an oyster stout once, so that's another mm. beer fired by uh, seafood. And I really like oysters, so I got to brew that on, I think I'm going to brew it on Friday at this point. So I'm going to have to go get a bunch of oysters and eat those, so that's also not a bad brew day. Yeah. Oh man, you're bad. making us drool here over there. <laughs> we love oysters too and lobster, so seafood. you're talking our language. I would be down for all of that. Yeah. I'm I'm very hungry right now. So I'm looking at that. And then the cool ship just makes me think of cool whip. It's just a whole thing. <laughs> cool, yeah, cool, yeah, cool whip. Cool, cool whip. whip. Um, <laughs> so we obviously have touched on that you're from New Hampshire. If you had to recommend a New Hampshire brewery to someone, what brewery would you pick? Ooh, that's tough. I would say, I mean, Earth Eagle is an excellent brewery if you haven't tried them out. Um, they have their brewery in downtown Portsmouth, right on High Street. They're excellent. They've, they're part of, I mean, not as much these days. He's very busy now owns that brewery in there and one in Summersworth as well. They've always been a great part in addition to our homebrew club, always been very helpful. So that's probably one of my favorite ones. And then I think still probably my uh, favorite brewery that I've been doing in New Hampshire is Schilling which is up in Littleton. So they do a lot of traditional type beers, a lot of lagers. They also do some kind of wild stuff as well. They've kind of got more into that. They have a cool ship as well. So if you're up that way, it's a little bit further north, but that is an excellent brewery to check out. Awesome. Yeah, I think definitely, I mean, Portsmouth in general is a great, and I feel like a hidden gem beer town. Like you wouldn't think to go to Portsmouth for breweries, but there's a a decent amount there to check yeah, out. Yeah, it's definitely changed over the years. When I was a little younger, it was uh, definitely more of uh, a bar scene and things like that. They're still there. You know, you still have, of course, Earth Eagles there. You have the Portsmouth Brewery, which is also a great little brewery in, in downtown Portsmouth. So it's changed a little bit. It still has a fun kind of vibe that, that down, in downtown Portsmouth. Yeah, I think it's a good balance, too, of if you don't necessarily want to just go to breweries or you, you have someone that you want to go somewhere with and they're like, well, I don't want to just go to breweries. It's a good balance of there's shopping, there's restaurants, there's things to do. And then there's some of those uh, breweries that you mentioned as well, where you can kind of appease everybody in your party and still get some beer. Now I want to go to Portsmouth. This, this episode is really inspiring. I need to, to go do things. <laughs> okay. Well, before we wrap up, do you want to plug your social media and anything you've got coming up? Yeah, if you can follow me on Instagram, uh, that's usually where I post most stuff, but also I have a Facebook page, so Marshall Mash Brew Lab. Kind of next thing coming up, if you haven't heard of it before, the weekend after Labor Day is the New England Homebrew Jamboree. It's at the Tamworth Camping Area in Tamworth. Basically goes from Friday till late, or we'll say early, early Sunday morning. <laughs> and it's basically homebrew clubs from all over New England. Um, they bring their beers and it's, you know, it goes for a good cause. It's all for Make-A-Wish. All the money goes to that. It's a great event. You basically camp there in the field and then just drink the whole weekend. A lot of interesting stuff that you'll get with Homebrew, but it's a really fun event. I think it's like 40 bucks for the weekend for the oh. event, the camp. So it's actually a really good deal. I've been doing that. I've been going to that probably not quite 12 since I started Homebrewing, but most of the years I, I basically make 
It doesn't matter what else happens that weekend. I'm busy. I don't care if someone's getting married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's my problem. Like, it seems like because uh, Charlie at our homebrew shops always talking about how much fun it is. And every year for the last three years now, I'm like, I'm going, I'm going. And then something always comes up where we have something going on. And I'm just like, I can just I just need to block out that weekend and yeah. just do it. Once you do it, you'll be like, all right, I'm not going to miss this again. And it's outside of a couple of years of getting married and stuff. I, I haven't missed it. I really look forward. I get there like on Thursday and just hang out, make a long weekend of it. So it's fun. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you, Mike, so much for coming on our show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been great. I've listened to a few of your episodes now, and I, I think you have a great little uh, podcast. I'm, I'm excited to see where you kind of go with it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Double Hot Beat. If you are like Mike and want to come on our show and share your homebrewing story, feel free to send us a direct message on our Instagram at Double Hot Beat Podcast. And tag your friends on your favorite posts and episodes and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps us get new listeners just like you. And don't forget, we have merchandise. So head on over to our Instagram to find the link for that. And also we have launched our new Brew Another Day initiative. And those t-shirts and mugs can also be found on our merchandise website. This has been Double, Double Hot Beat. Beat. Catch you on the brew side. Cool shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank <laughs> you.